Welcome, everybody. It is episode 41 of uh, Football, a podcast. I almost forgot the name of our podcast there for a second. Uh, <laughs> what's going on, guys? We are, I mean, I haven't slept, like, I'm still wired after week, like, 18. Like, what did you guys think of the uh, electric uh, final week to the biggest season ever for the NFL? It's it's really exciting for me um, to see Frank Reich and um, Carson Wentz have a, have a shot at the Super Bowl. <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess I'll have to start with the the mea culpa. I guess that we owe Matt. Um, I laughed at him last week when he said that the Steelers could make the playoffs and that the Colts could lose. And uh, I'm I'm here to eat crow. I mean, it, it, I I am stunned, absolutely stunned. Now, granted, as a Steeler fan, I thought it was really cool to watch. Like. Mm-hmm. The Steeler game against Baltimore was a lot of fun, not because it was a really good game, because it wasn't, no. but it was just cool to see. And I and I knew that like if there was anything left out of Ben Roethlisberger, it was going to be on that fourth and eight uh, to to keep mm-hmm. the drive alive. Uh, so that was really cool to see. Um, I still think they're going to get murdered by the Chiefs, um, but you know it's it's still fun to see them in the playoffs. Um, Zach, you and I were talking, and this is not an original thought. I believe this is Dan Hanzus uh, over at uh, NFL.com, uh, but he continuously compares the Steelers to like a zombie, <laughs> like it just doesn't know it's dead yet. And and I feel like that's what the Steelers are. Like somebody needs to actually stop them um, because they're not going to stop themselves. Kind of. Uh, so, <laughs> so good. yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's. Um, it's it's gonna be it was it was fun to watch that happen because uh, it was such a long shot, um, but you know I think that they, I I think I don't think they're gonna make any kind of run, but it was it was cool to see. But no, in, in terms of Matt, you were absolutely hundred percent right, and and I'm I'm here to concede that point. I mean, it's what you get with Carson Wentz. I mean. There is a possibility of it, but yeah, Matt, we kind of laughed at that for sure. And you talking yourself into the Steelers, but ugh, it worked out well. I mean, he had in the 1 o'clock window the Jaguars-Colts game, playoff implications, Steelers-Ravens, Titans-Texans, 4 o'clock game, you had the 49ers-Rams, uh, Saints-Falcons, and then at the end of the day you had the best regular season game since Rams-Chiefs a couple years ago with the Chargers and Raiders going to overtime. I mean, that's how the NFL would have drawn it up, but um uh, Matt, any thoughts on prognosticating the, uh, the Colts downfall? Uh, I think, <laughs> I think the fact of the matter, well, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll take the credit for calling the Colts loss, but remember, I also called that the Steelers were going to lose the Ravens. I called that, um, the, the Rams were going to beat the Niners and probably should have, um, but and the New Orleans would jump in. So like, it was kind of the only take that I got right. Um, but in terms of the Colts, the Colts quote unquote downfall, um, this, you hit the nail on the head, Zach. I mean, this is what happens with Carson Wentz. The guy just, it seems like he holds the team back. He does have splash plays. He does have moments and he does have certain games where you just kind of look at him like, oh man, that's like 2017 Carson Wentz. But the amount of boneheaded plays, it, it just, he's one of those guys that just seems like he can't get away from them. And when you're thinking about a a team that 
I mean, you know, I joke with you guys about how you were, you know, Frank Reich's ready to take this team to the Super Bowl. Like, it's a Super Bowl caliber roster. <laughs> yeah. It is. The defense, the offensive line, the running game. I mean, you have Pittman, uh, who is an ascending, uh, soon-to-be premier receiver in this league. There's some good pieces here. And really the the cog that, you know, the, the wheel that doesn't work is Carson Wentz. Um, so you have to wonder what's going through Indianapolis's mind right now as to do we stick with Carson Wentz after investing as as much as we did in terms of uh, draft picks in in the trade? Do we try to get involved in the Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson sweepstakes? Do we try to get involved in maybe drafting someone um, this go round? There, there's there could be some other options available, but. It's going to be an interesting one to see what happens in um, in in Indianapolis. I feel like they are. I feel like the teams right now are surprised by how few quality head coaching candidates, like I should say, high tier, sure thing, you know, coach candidates, and the uh, the lack of maybe quarterbacks out there. I think there was earlier in the season, everyone thought there's going to be a lot more availability from these high-end guys and this turned out to maybe like rogers being a hope and a prayer at this point but i don't know what you do with once they've they've kind of backed themselves into a corner with with this one and frank reich wasn't committal about him uh today when he spoke to the media um so i have no idea what's gonna happen i mean there are games that ruin guys entire careers because they just never bounce back i'm not saying this is that game for carson wentz but like it could be that game. I mean, you, 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 how do you not beat the Jaguars? I mean, I just, I can't wrap my head around that. Like, and, and it was, it was all, I'm not saying I'd lay the entire game on the feet of, of Carson Wentz, but I, I lay like, I don't know, 70% of it on Carson Wentz. Also, like, how do you let the Jaguars score points on you? Like from a defensive yeah. point of view, like you, you let Dari Ogumbawale and like Marvin Jones, like I understand Trevor Lawrence was highly drafted, but he had been terrible all year. And like, it's, it's cool to see Trevor Lawrence, like actually like pull something together. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Super Bowl winning teams don't, don't have these sorts of foibles with the chance to, to go to the playoffs. So, I mean, maybe it's better that they're out of it. I, I will though, give a shout shout out, uh, speaking of the AFC South to, uh, the Houston Texans almost pulling the upset, which would have allowed the Chiefs to take the number one seed over the Titans, and that would have sent the Steelers to Nashville in a game that would be much more winnable. I was rooting really hard for for the Texans when it looked like the Steelers might actually have a chance. Um, underrated storyline to to watch out for moving forward. Um, everybody was talking about the Texans like they would have to take a quarterback with their first overall pick this year, this in this upcoming draft, Davis Mills actually acquitted himself very well. I mean, he grew quite a bit just in the short time that he was the starter there. I mean, he, he started off really poorly, but by the end, he was one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Um, so, I mean, it's something, it's something to keep an eye on. The guy didn't have that many starts in, in, in college, but he was extremely highly rated coming out of high school. Um, maybe, maybe it convinces the, the, the organization that, that maybe they don't need to, to, you know, completely reset with a quarterback. So I don't know, just something curious to, you know, to keep an eye on. 
Davis Mills, totally different quarterback from when he came, when he took over for Tyrod Taylor the second time. Uh, his first stint, like you said, was pretty poor. Then, you know, he ends the season with a 23, a 33 for 301 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, great performance. And just to touch on the Colts one last time, um, this may not be a game that kills the, a career, but I could see this being a game where, you know, there's so much turnover every year. So I, you can't say everyone in the locker room maybe has a side eye towards Wentz. But maybe next year in these tight games, people start looking at Wentz. Defense thinks they got to do a little bit more. You know, the running back, the, the, the running attack feels like we got to do a little bit more. Like he starts getting side eyes, you know, in these clutch scenarios from his own teammates uh, next year. And this could have, this could be a game that kills a head coaching candidacy in Matt Eberflus. That is not a way you want to go into interviews having to answer for giving up 26 points to the, you know, at the time, 2-14 and 14 Jaguars. So, I mean, he might – honestly, he might have to wait another year because of that game. It's entirely possible. Um, you know, uh, that's, that's going to – that'll be extremely damaging. Um, I, you almost have to wonder – you know, it, it also has to come back to the coaching staff, right? I know Frank Reich's highly respected, and he said he's got the he said he had the guys ready to play. But I mean, it sure as hell could have fooled me. I mean, <laughs> you know, so I, I don't know. Um, and, and I mean, I, I understand to a certain extent the Jaguars, you know, probably came into this game as their Super Bowl. I get that, but I mean, the lack of talent on that roster, especially in the offensive side of the ball, outside of like Trevor Lawrence. I mean, you got to find a way to beat that team for sure. Mm-hmm. Promising end to Trevor Lawrence's rookie season, though. That's something to build on. You got to feel good going in the offseason if you're him. Any other thoughts from Sunday? It was just it was such a wild day from start to finish. Um, anything else that stuck out? I mean, we'll you know if you want to talk about Brandon Staley or anything else. So I, I do have a confession to make. I actually okay. didn't watch the game uh, um, because I was just so emotionally like exhausted <laughs> from watching the Steeler game. I, I, I actually put it on and then I just time traveled. Like it was, it was like one in the morning. I'm like, Oh, TV's still on. Like, you know, (laughs) I had no idea that they were that close to tying. Um, and I actually think I just, I read an article today about how Mike Tomlin also like dozed off and he didn't, he had no idea how close that they came to not making the playoffs. (laughs) (laughs) It's just kind of funny, but, uh, I'm, I'm glad. And you know, the other thing that people I think are maybe overlooking is, if the Raiders would have tied um, and made the playoffs, they would have gone to Kansas City, and Kansas City has pasted them twice this year. Uh, so, as much as you know, people are saying, "Well, you know, I, I don't understand why you didn't try to play just for the tie." I mean, it's certainly you play to win the game anyway. Um, but why they were more aggressive with that, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they did not want to play the Chiefs in the first round. So. Um, not that, not that the Bengals are a great draw, but I'd much rather play the Bengals than the chiefs. So, um, yeah, interesting wrinkle there. Yeah. But the Bengals paced them earlier in the season too. They'd been like 31, 14 or something, or maybe it was even worse than that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's never good going into the playoffs with a bunch of teams that pasted you. So, I mean, (laughs) I guess that's true too. But Hey, my three team pick for two spots almost worked out. Let's be real. That's true. That's true. Credit where credit's due. <laughs> yeah, that was that was an all-time pick. <laughs> um, no, I, I, it was an interesting week for sure. I mean, it was it was. I think the NFL got exactly what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, a bunch of play, you know, quote unquote, play-in games and unique scenarios and tight games. Um, 
I think the team, you know, everyone talks about Brandon Staley. I understand why. Everyone talks about um, the Indianapolis Colts. Obviously, that makes a lot of sense as to sort of blunders from the week. But the Los Angeles Rams, and I said this last week, and and you guys kind of disagreed or didn't really take it as seriously. You let one of the most dangerous teams in the NFC into the playoffs. And I really hope um, – th- who do the Rams have first round? They have um, – Cardinals. Cardinals. Monday night. They have they have the Cardinals first round. That's that's a tough draw. That's yeah. definitely a tough draw for them. But but they could easily be slated for – depending on what happens against with Dallas and San Francisco, they could easily, easily be squaring off against San Francisco again. And I think San Francisco knows exactly how to beat them. Um, so if Los Angeles survives the first round, they may re- be regretting uh, that Week 18 game um, against San Francisco. Yeah, I think we, we talked about, oh, they're not going to care that too much about that positioning when it comes down to it. Um, but maybe they should have been more concerned with it because the Cardinals is no easy shake. And then Kyle Shanahan just owns Sean McVay, just takes his lunch money every time he plays. Um, yeah, I would not want to play the 49ers. Cowboys got a tough draw. Yeah, and, and credit it, where credit's due in terms of, especially like Jimmy G. I mean, I know that uh, he's had his struggles this year, but they were down 17 points. Yeah. And they come back and find a way to win. Um, I'm also super excited just to, to, you know, kind of bring it back to like the, you know, 90s and sort of early 2000s that the, the 49ers are playing the Cowboys in the playoffs <laughs> again. Like, that sounds so cool. Like, I, I'm really looking forward to that. If nothing else, like that is an all time uniform matchup. Yeah, like that true. is those are those are two of the most aesthetically pleasing uniforms together on the same field. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, I also, you know, one point I want to bring up, we had a conversation about the MVP um, last week, and, and and Zach and I were kind of on Cooper Cup. We talked about, I think, Bill, you're on Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we talked about Jonathan Taylor. We talked about TJ Watt, and those are all deserving and, and intriguing names for the, that award. But, you know, after watching um, Los Angeles play against San Francisco, Debo Samuel mm-hmm. not being brought up for that conversation, not just as a wide receiver and having an absolutely incredible season at, at wide receiver with, I mean, the combination of Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo as his quarterback, um, but basically being um, being a, a top, I'd say top 25 running back, <laughs> yeah. if not higher. I mean, this guy is incredible. <laughs> he does everything. Um, and he is the 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 wheel that makes the 49ers offense spin it's not jimmy garoppolo or trey lance i mean eli mitchell's had a nice rookie season um and i really do like eli mitchell but george kittle has um been a shell of the guy that he was two years ago i mean debo samuel is really the main show in in san francisco and he is team is as dangerous as it is I um I I agree. I mean, Debo Samuel. There's no one like him in the NFL. There's no one who runs like him. There's no one who has the mentality like he does. There's no one who's as multifaceted as him. If if you're making a case of most important to his or her team, you can absolutely put Debo Samuel in that conversation. Absolutely, totally with you, Matt. Yeah, and that's a yeah. that's a good point, Matt. You know, I, and I 
I think if they would have used him all year, like they started using him around midseason, I think he would be right there with your, you know, in that sort of Cooper Cup era of, you know, talking about him as an MVP. Because um, I mean, it's it's not like this this 49ers team has a wealth of weapons or a quarterback that can. You know, it's not Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo will never be compared with Aaron Rodgers. Um, but but his ability, it's almost like they took like Cordero Patterson and then they just they made him into Debo Samuel in midseason. But 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 honestly, then Cordero Cordero Patterson didn't do anything like towards the stretch run. It's like it's it's really interesting. Um, I I think that um, I think Debo is the X factor, not just in this uh, game, but I think in these playoffs. As I, as I look at players on these individual teams, other than Cooper Cup, I can't think of anybody else who could have a bigger impact on the game, non quarterback wise, than Debo Samuel. At least offensively, um, yeah, right, I, right, yeah. Um, I agree with you. And I think to your point about Cordero Patterson, Bill, I think that hurt Debo Samuel's case to be considered like Cooper Cup right now. If if we got to midseason and no one had done what Cordero Patterson had done, people would have been shocked. But the fact that they'd kind of seen it already for, what, five or six weeks, it wasn't really new. And I think people were just kind of like, oh, yeah, that happens now. But if, this, if, if it was the first time all season that, that a wide receiver had been that dynamic, then – I, then I think that he's in that conversation. I think Cordero Patterson hurt Debo Samuel's case for you know major award like that. Agreed. Um, and before we before we go forward, I do want to. It, it'll be oh, interesting ahead, for me to see. No, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you're fine. There's just one last point I wanted to kind of make there. Um, it would be really interesting to see moving forward how. The um, these are just like and try to emulate what what's been done with Debo Samuel, what's been done with Cordero Patterson, um, and we start to see you know maybe a couple of years where we've got a guy who's a thousand yard rusher and thousand yard receiver, um, whether it's running backs coming out of the backfield, receivers that's kind of line up in the Debo Samuel where you know wide receiver running back kind of deal. I mean there, there's some immensely uh, creative coaches hopefully they get in into head coaching roles in the upcoming coaching carousel that um, that can leverage these guys, some of the, the real premier football playing talent, not necessarily positional talent in this league um, and how that'll affect things uh, st- statistically. Yeah. Almost like a, you know, like a Christian McCaffrey, uh, you know, type player, but from the wide receiver position. Um, yeah. It, it, but it's all going to be, it's all going to be turned upon how, creative these coaches are and Debo Samuel is like a perfect match with Kyle Shanahan who is willing to take those risks and willing to you know feels feels comfortable enough to put players in situations like that creatively so um, the, the one thing I wanted to touch on though real quick before we move forward was uh, not to go back to a, a team that we had already talked about but I just wanted to say how awesome Najee Harris is. Um, I mean, that guy, I thought he legitimately broke his wrist on that play um, or dislocated his elbow. And for him to come back, I mean, when he was out of the game, that offense couldn't move the ball, period. And even an 80% Harris, you know, gave enough of a threat for the Steelers to start picking up first downs again. Um, The guy is just incredibly tough. 
uh, I just can't say enough uh, enough great things about him. I just want to make a point though that watching that Raven Steelers game, you know, we ambassador, or I should say, I'll speak for myself. We said Najee was a bad pick in the draft, and I still kind of believe that. I'm not going to take that back. I still think, all things considered, uh, he was a bad pick. But man, they had uh, they have a hell of a player for the next five years at least. I just want to point out, you, you said you said we, you guys trashed him. I, I, I did. I, I, I took it back. I, I took it back. I, t- I said it was. A Listen, bad we've I got still enough- stand by that, though. I stand by that. Listen, we've got enough freezing cold takes coming uh, from I, I I just listened to just because I was so curious. I listened to our fantasy football draft analysis. We may want to burn that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's real bad. <laughs> I mean, so is everyone else. Although, you know. although your your Mike Davis take uh, at the time was absolutely a hundred percent correct. Like every once in a while, one of us would say something that was absolutely one hundred percent true, and then it was just surrounded by like fifteen freezing cold takes. <laughs> Sounds about right with sports prognostications. Absolutely. Um, all right, so that was all I wanted to say about Najee. Unless anyone else had anything to add. Um, because we could we could move forward from the thrilling. You, you, you have the awesome week eighteen Sunday, and then you go right in the next day to everybody in canned, which is I shouldn't say funny, but it's exciting. I guess is the word I'm looking for. Um, you get all these jobs opening up, and a bunch of names start flying around. So I guess just initial thoughts on who got fired, jobs that are open, which jobs you take, which ones you hate. You know, what are your thoughts? Just start vague like that. So the only one I was terribly surprised, well, not terribly surprised because of the owner, um, was Brian Flores. I thought that was a terrible move, but it's it's kind of par for the course for, for Steven Ross and the Dolphins. I mean, it's just they're 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 mired in mediocrity for a reason. And and I think it has a lot to do with their ownership and the way that they run their team. Um Flores just took you on a seven game winning streak to even get into playoff conversation. And then he loses, and and that's that's it. I mean, even though he showed marked improvement, he he inherited a horrible team. Uh, so I I thought that that was a pretty I thought that was a pretty crappy move. Some of the other guys, I mean, we all knew Nagy was gone. We all knew Zimmer was gone. Uh, they fired uh, the Giants fired Joe Judge t- today, which is a little weird. Like that people are slow playing the yeah. the firing. Like it, it's not Black Monday now. It's like ba- Black Monday week, and like. The other thing that I find bizarre is is poor David Cully. Like they asked him if he they asked him he was like, well, as far as I know, I'm still head coach of the Texans. <laughs> it's like, well, that's not exactly a ringing door. I mean, and and then they're what is it, Easter B and and that other clown yeah. over there. Yeah. yeah, and and all they're doing is is waiting for the Patriots to be done with the playoffs, fire him, and then and then try to hire McDaniel's or something. You know, and I, I feel like that dude got a really raw deal too. I mean, they they basically let him let him coach for a year as a sacrificial lamb because they knew they were going to be terrible. And I don't think Cully did a bad job. I think he did the best he could with what he had, which was not really a lot. Um, none of the other hire, none of the other firings though, I was surprised by. But the trend of slow playing the firings, like. If you're gonna fire your general manager, like just fire the head coach too, because you know that's the, like the first thing that new general manager is gonna do. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, and the Giants are typically an organization that's better run than this, but um, man, they've stepped in it 
I mean, it feels like ever since the boat party. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, th- those are my initial impressions anyway. Matt, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think Zach, you and I talked about this at, at one point in time. Um, I think, you know, Bill, Bill wasn't, um, missed that particular episode, but we were talking about, we went through the whole list and, uh, I think most of the coaches we called, you know, this was actually right before urban Meyer was fired. Um, that we ended up calling that urban would be gone. We said Matt Nagy would be gone. We were 50, 50 on Vic Vangio. We we're 50, 50 on Joe judge said Zimmer would be gone unless they, they kind of turned it around and made the playoffs, which clearly they did not. Um, so we kind of called a lot of these um, going into it, but the, you know, the interesting part for me is when I look at some of these jobs, um, certainly a bungling by the New York giants, um, but we knew, you know, Mike Zimmer, we knew Matt Nagy, we knew some of those things. But um, when I look at the attractiveness of some of these jobs, you know, Jacksonville's kind of a nice spot. We talked about a kind of sturdy run game with James Robinson. Um, they they can obviously enhance their offensive line, but, but they were able to produce this year. Um, Travis Etienne coming back, that's going to be interesting to see how a new coach that actually has uh, some semblance of brain power may use him. Um, Trevor Lawrence, obviously, you know, one of the, the premier young quarterbacks in this league, um, you know, given the opportunity to develop and under the right tutelage, I think he can be a fantastic player in this league. Um, and some, some young studs on defense like Josh Allen that I think, um, this team showed fight in a couple of games this year. They showed there's some talent there that, um, under the right coaching staff, this team can be competitive. Um, you know, looking around, you, you also think about the Vikings and Bears things uh, in the wake of what may happen with Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers departs Green Bay after this season, I mean, you've got a Jordan Love-led Green Bay Packers team. Um, that doesn't, you know, inspire a lot of confidence. You have the Detroit Lions, who are still probably two years away from being overly competitive. Uh, that division is ripe for a team like the Vikings um, with a really sturdy run game. Uh, Kirk Cousins, who is serviceable, a young star in Justin Jefferson at wide receiver. Um, Ty Conklin, who emerged a little bit this year um, and in the right offense, I think can thrive. Uh, and obviously, you, you mentioned Adam Thielen. This could be a pretty good offense. And then, in, you know, with the Bears, you have Justin Fields. You have a, a good run game with David Montgomery. Um, they need some help along the offensive line, but the the, the bones are there, um, and the bones are there for a pretty good defense. So um, I look at those three jobs. If I'm one of the head coaching candidates, whether it's you know Byron Leftwich or you know insert name here. Um, a lot of intriguing roles that are available. I would say the one I would want to avoid the most would be New York just because of the market um, and because of the uh, impatience that the ownership has shown um, in recent history. Uh, the one I'm with you on the giants, the one I would avoid and the whole thing with Brian Flores, you hear stuff coming out about how he was a little bit tough to work with, how there's like relief throughout the team that he's gone. You know, you, you can never know how much of that is true, especially as a guy goes out the door. Um, but I wouldn't want the Miami job, despite, you know, the picks they have, the talent they have, because it's just Stephen Ross doesn't live in Miami. He's barely, he's barely at the facility. And it's, and, and you, you know, you never know when you're going to get fired. I would avoid the Miami job. Um, 
I would like the Chicago job, Vikings, like you said, the Jaguars. Um, I don't think I think the Broncos are interesting too for the right for the right guy. Um, the, the the just the, you know a couple names I was thinking about. I would like to see Doug Peterson in Minnesota because I would make that higher in terms of like you're trying to maximize the talent now, and I think he would get he does Doug Peterson is like a he's a good he's. I don't, Doug. If you're if you're listening, I'm sorry. But he's kind of an idiot, you know. I don't think he's that great of a teacher, but I think he can really call plays and, and orchestrate an offense. And I think that fits perfectly for the talent they have. You know, they're not rookies; they're high level guys. And I think he would get the most out of them. I, I like Doug Peterson there, and I would love to see like a. Uh, Pep Hamilton in Chicago or Greg Roman if he's fired from Baltimore would love to see him in Chicago Baltimore fans would probably love to give him away I'd love to see Greg Roman in Chicago um, I'd be interested to see like a Jim Caldwell in Miami and then maybe and then even like a Brian Dable in New York if you're going to give him time to turn it around and win if not just hire Bill O'Brien let him coach for three years until you draft a bunch of players and then bring in someone else but um, those are the names that I'd like to see like Dennis Allen bring over Pete Carmichael, like the Saints go like to Denver, like the Saints go to the go to the Broncos. Um, I think that would be interesting because Denver has some high level skilled players. So those are just some names I was I was thinking about tossing around there. Give me Byron Leftwich. Give give me I, give me Byron Jags. Leftwich at to the Jags yeah. for sure. Let him let him fix Trevor Lawrence. I think Byron Leftwich is going to be an amazing coach. I would love um, that too. I I think he's and it's a perfect fit. Um one of the other guys that um, I think would not it's 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 hard because I think that Dable has some really good qualities, but I, I if I'm Dable and he he kind of made this decision last year he's he didn't really want to part ways with Josh Allen which I understand but now I'm not necessarily sure if that's the case. Um, I feel like Chicago would be a really interesting spot for Dable just because, you know, can he sort of have the same career progression um, with, with Justin Fields that maybe he had with, with Josh Allen. If I'm Chicago, I'm, I'm kind of, that's like the first thing I'm going to ask him is, you know, how do you propose to, to, you know, have Justin Fields take the next step. That would be a really interesting hiring, um, by by Chicago. You know who I would love to see in Chicago, uh, and this won't happen. I don't think this year. Other than like, I would love to see a Pep Hamilton offensive coordinator, and I would love to see Aaron Glenn as the head coach. Um, I still think maybe he might be a little bit too, you know, um, young, or he might not have the experience to 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 take that role yet. But he's done an awesome job with the line secondary the past few years and just maximizing talent. I mean, they haven't been particularly great, but he is this year. They start, they start getting gems out of those guys and he's done a lot with, with, with not so with not a lot to work with. So I, I think he'd be great for like Chicago bears. I think he has like that mentality. I would love to see Aaron Glenn, Chicago. Also kudos to lions for, for not doing what the lions normally do and, and panicking and, and sticking with the, uh, the Dan Campbell experiment. Yeah. Uh, I think that, I think that's the right move. Some, sometimes the best moves are the ones that are not made. Mm-hmm. True. Um, I feel like the, I feel like the Broncos are a decent job. They, they have the pieces there. I'm not the sure though. I'm not sure though how easy Elway is to operate with. 
I think that's I think that's a wrinkle that maybe doesn't get enough attention. I'm not saying that Elway is super difficult to work with, but I think he's got a pretty active hand in personnel decisions more than than your your typical guy in that position really would. Um, and sometimes, like if he's playing GM, like he hasn't had a great track record at actually evaluating quarterback talent. Uh, you know, you look at Paxton Lynch. I mean, we can go down the list. Um, so I, I think that might be some of the consternation because you're right on on paper that that roster is is you know not that far away. Uh, you get a you get a competent quarterback in there, and you know they're they're a, a playoff team. You know, especially with the talent around them. Uh, you know, the offensive line isn't bad. The defense is still pretty solid. You got two really good running backs. You've got a bunch of you know really solid receivers. So it's got to be. I, I would imagine that part of the issue is is uh, is Elway. That's a good point. Um, uh, Eric Bieniemy, a name we have not talked about yet. Does he get hired this year? Does anyone take the plunge on Bien? I feel like I've been tr- I've been sho- Eric Bieniemy's been shoved down my throat for the past three seasons. Is this the year something finally happens? Well, what I would say is that nobody did more of a disservice to Eric Bieniemy than Matt Nagy. That's all I'll say about that. If I'm one of the teams that I'm looking at with a young quarterback like a Justin Fields or a Trevor Lawrence, you know, I, I'm looking for someone like Josh McDaniels uh, to really make sure they're taking care of that the, their development. And, and the other, you know, sort of core types of guys outside of McDaniels and Leftwich that I'd be looking at are, you know, folks that, you know, maybe defensive minded coaches that are going to want to establish the run. Um, so guys like Eberflus, um, you know, a guy like Raheem Morris, I think, you know, Leslie Frazier, guys that are going to want to lean on the run. They have a, a penchant for leaning on the run. Todd Bowles, um, you know, play. Uh, good defense, run the ball really well, protect your quarterback, give them an opportunity to develop. Um, I think that's that's really the two routes that I'd be looking at um, if I'm selecting a head coach this, this go-around. The thing that um, – yeah, I'm glad you brought McDaniels because I want to talk to you about that. That's someone that I wouldn't hire like under any circumstance if I was an owner. Just the whole – not only the Denver fiasco, I mean you can overlook that. You know, but some of the things he did, like promising he would keep Cutler, trades him a couple months later. But then the whole thing with the Colts, where he accepted the job, kind of not. And then he was about to get on the plane, and then he got cold feet. Like, I just don't know the character of this guy, especially when Belichick's not there to kind of keep him on the straight and narrow. So I wouldn't be willing to put my investment, you know, whether it's Justin Fields or um, or Trevor Lawrence – I wouldn't. I wouldn't trust that um, outside the New England bubble. So I, I don't know if if you guys put that put that much stock in in those past transgressions, or if it's like, hey, whatever, who cares? I I would probably not hold the the Denver thing over his head. That was that was a long time ago. You know the Indianapolis thing. I think that would that would give some red flags, um, but really, what I would what I'd want to see a situation for um, for McDaniel's is just a, a strong GM um, who's really going to handle player personnel. That was a, a big problem that McDaniel's had during his tenure in Denver was that he was just um, sort of you know shooting by shooting from the hip um, and making some decisions that were a little bit questionable. But I think if you just want him to, you know, basically bring in and, you know, do the X's and O's, be the strategy guy, 
be the guy that creates the game plan. That's what you're good at. Um, and you're, you're going to need to forward, forge a good partnership between him and the GM. Uh, but I think in the right situation, um, he, he'll be very successful. All right. Any other thoughts on the coaching carousel? Or can we move to the Sunday games? Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Um, I guess we'll just start with the first one, unless, uh, unless there's anything else, other preamble you guys have, but Raiders, Bengals. Um, thoughts, picks? I think this is like one of the most interesting games of the first round, to be honest, wildcard weekend. I think it's fascinating. Um, you know, it's so many different storylines. Not not only is it Joe Burrow's first playoff game, it's also Derek Carr's first playoff game too. I mean, I think they made the playoffs a couple of years ago, but he was already injured. Um, so I think it'll be kind of cool to see. Um, I I expect this to be a high scoring affair. Uh, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch. Um, I I anticipate that. Um, I, I anticipate that that uh, the Raiders come out swinging here. I think they've got a lot of momentum. I think they've won a couple games that they they really probably shouldn't have won uh, to get here. Uh, I, listen, this is still the Bengals. Um, I understand they've got a lot of weapons and they've crushed the Raiders previously, um, but I expect the Raiders to put up a fight. All that said, um, I think that especially especially with a young quarterback, that first playoff game is so crucial to you know um, their their development. Um, and there's guys that like look at like Carson Palmer, like he never really got past that like first playoff game, right? Um, now, obviously, Kimo von Olhoffen had something to do with that. Um, for for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, um, but. I think that I think the Bengals win this game. I think it's closer than the first meeting between these two. Um, I actually I expect a fairly sizable game from Joe Mixon here. Um, so yeah, give me the Bengals. I think it's so interesting because I don't know what Bengals team you're going to get, um, and I think that's half the reason to to tune in. Um, I'm still not sure Zach Taylor's the right guy to take them deep into the playoffs. I feel like he makes too many mistakes, whether it's play calling, strategy-wise, or game management-wise for this team to really advance beyond maybe the divisional round. Um, that said, I think that their roster is a little bit more complete than the Raiders. The Raiders have a few more holes. They're you know playing a little bit more banged up than the Bengals. Um, so I think that is just enough to get the Bengals through this game, and they get their first playoff win since, like, I don't know, like 93 or 94 or something like that. So um, that's my thoughts. Yeah, give me Cincinnati here. Um, I'm maybe a little bit more confident than both of you are in the Bengals. Um, I love what we're seeing from Jamar Chase. I think um, the talent on Cincinnati far exceeds what we see um, with the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, whether it's offensively, defensively, um, passing game, running game. You know, the whole nine yards. I, I really just think Cincinnati's the better team. I think that'll shine through um, in this game. It, it, it may be closer than their previous meeting. Um, I'm not entirely sure, but I, I'm very confident that Cincinnati will win this game. Next is, so we're all on Cincinnati then. Um, Bill and I are just a little, or no, Bill, did you take the Raiders? Uh, oh, uh, no, no, I, I, I preambled the, the <laughs> possibility of the Raiders being close, but okay. uh, no, I still so the Bengals. So we're on the Bengals. Uh, Patriots-Bills, uh, going to be conditions very similar to the game where the Patriots ran the ball, you know, 400 times. Um, Patriots have struggled since that victory, really. 
thoughts. I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go Buffalo. I feel like they've gotten enough out of that run game. They figured enough out in the last few weeks to go in there confidently. Josh Allen is playing, you know, probably the best he's played all season, which isn't, you know, doesn't. That's no great shakes because he hasn't really played great this season at all. But um, I'm. I think I'm going to go Bills. I think they're just more dynamic um, uh, offensively, and I think they'll be able to hold their own defensively um, against the Patriots. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go with the Bills here as well. I think that um you know the Patriots uh, you know for as much as their defense has played well, you know especially you know mid to to the end of the season. Um they feasted, you know, and I'm I'm going to kind of reverse engineer my normal Bills take uh on the Patriots, but they feasted on some really bad teams uh to end the season. Um and I think Buffalo finally coming into at least a little bit of a run game with Devin Singletary. Um I I trust uh, Sean McDermott to come in with a solid game plan. They've beaten the Patriots before. This is this is not you know this isn't Tom Tom Brady riding into town. This is a rookie quarterback uh, on a in the in a road playoff game. Um, I think the Bills actually win this game fairly handily. Okay, and I did not mention the spread is four uh, on in favor of Buffalo. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll take Bills. The Bills there. I'm gonna go with New England here. I'll be. This will be a first uh, diversion okay. from our uh, from our agreement here. Um, in January and February football is run is one with a sturdy run game and a stout defense. And when I look at these teams, um, one of them does fit that mold. Uh, the other one does not. Buffalo, um, I think, relies a little bit too heavily on Josh Allen. Um, when I look at the offensive lines, the advantage for me goes to New England. When I look at the defenses, the advantage for me goes to New England. Um, I think Mac Jones, if he plays mistake-free football and the Patriots are able to establish the run, um, that'll cause some fits. And Buffalo has been a team, and Brian Dabble has been an offensive coordinator um, who is far too quick to abandon the run. He is far too – it's almost like he's playing Madden sometimes. Yeah. Like you go down by 10, it's like, well, okay, Hail Mary's all the time now. <laughs> Um, that's a little bit of what Brian Dabble feels like to me. And I, I don't trust him to not overreact to uh, potentially some early diver- uh, adversity, which they could face in, in bad weather with uh, an offense that's predicated on the pass. Um, so Bill Belichick versus Sean McDermott coaching goes, goes Belichick's way. Um, offensive coordinator goes Patriots way to McDaniels. Uh, they've got a better defense. Um, I trust them more on special teams. I think Buffalo is going to implode here in the first, um, first game. Hmm. I, I think it's, it's very interesting to see what, who's, who, which team took what lessons from their games this year. You know, um, you know, what did the Patriots gather from what the bills are trying to do and vice versa. Um, I feel like this could be a very low-scoring game, which makes the four points feel really big. Um, it does have an over-under of over 44, and I feel like that even may be way too high. Um, I just feel like it's a game where both teams know each other really well, and it's like a punt, you know, field position game, punt back and forth. Um, next game, the 1 o'clock window, Sunday. I wish this was Buccaneers 49ers. I wish. It is not. It is Buccaneers versus another team, favorite um, another team that can run really well, the Philadelphia Eagles. Bucks favored by eight and a half. What do y'all think? I I have picked the Eagles right like all year. <laughs> yes, you have. The Philadelphia Eagles are going to upset the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the first round of the playoffs. 
at at Raymond James or whatever the hell they call it. Um, the reason being, the Buccaneers are extremely they're, and they're really hurt. Like everybody's hurt. Like yeah, they might get Lombardi Lenny back, but I mean that's not a hamstring is no joke for a running back to come back from. They've already lost Godwin for the year. Yeah, they've got Mike Edwin or Ed, Edmund or Evans. Jesus, um, it's been a while recording. Yeah. <laughs> seriously um and they've they basically so antonio brown's gone um and and you know they've got they the defense is healthy ish um but i think that the eagles if they play ball control um and they they run the football um this is not the same buccaneers front that we saw in the early part of the season um i think that they can uh, play ball control and, and exploit some of the weaknesses there. I it's going to be a very close game, but I see this game sort of as the the way that the Redskins Redskins God the Washington Football Team. Sorry, don't cancel me. That's they're called like two years ago. Um, I think I think that they this this game goes the way that Washington ha- almost made it go last year with ta- Taylor Heineke. Um, so I, this is probably the hottest take I'll have, but I'm, I'm going to take the Eagles here. I'm tempted, Bill. Matt, what do you think? I, I feel bad because Bill kind of stole my thunder. I thought I was going to be the only <laughs> one who was on the Eagles. Apparently I am not. Um, Tampa Bay is limping to the finish line. And I, this team, yeah, I know that, listen, they came out and they, they, they beat, they beat Carolina. I mean, Carolina was, was sort of. You know, their season's been over for quite some time. Um, But when I look at a team like Philadelphia, um, even if you go back to that Thursday night matchup that these two teams had earlier in the year, once Philadelphia kind of figured out that they could run the football and they figured out how to run the football Mm -hmm. against against this Tampa Bay front seven, uh, they were doing it pretty effectively. Um, they've got a stable of backs and they've got, they've got Jalen hurts who can certainly move the ball in creative ways. Um, I think they can play ball control. Um, their defense is not quite as good. Um, but they also only held, I mean, they held Tom Brady to, I think 24, maybe 24, 27 points. Um, which, you know, listen for a Tampa Bay offense that, um, is pretty dynamic. You know, Mike Evans may be hampered in this game. Antonio Brown was a huge factor in that early Thursday game and he's not no longer there. Godwin's going to be hampered. Um, for, for whatever reason, I just feel like Tampa Bay with all the distractions. Um, I know they kind of put the noise aside last week, um, but it, it's not going away. And the thing about noise is it's not the, the high pitched scream that gets you. It's the high pitched scream that endures for, for four to five weeks that gets you. Um, and I think this team is still distracted off the field and they're hurt on it. I, I think we're going to make it a clean sweep for the Eagles. Uh, I feel like we might be the only podcast that, that does this. Um, looking back at that that matchup, Matt, you look at who played the biggest roles in that game. Leonard Fournette going to play banged up. He ran for 81 yards, two touchdowns. Antonio Brown, leading receiver. Leonard Fournette, again, out of the backfield. Chris Godwin played a big role. And that was when Tampa was at the height of their powers, and the Eagles still necessarily hadn't figured out their run game yet. I think they were in the process of kind of doing it that game. Um, Jalen Hurts didn't play particularly well. 
either, but he's gotten he has improved, and I think he has started to embrace his dual his dual threat ability as the season has gone on, and I think provides a massive stress test to this Buccaneers uh, defense. So I think the ball control style is 100% correct. I think Hertz can get them for two to three big plays. I'm just picturing like you know huge 40 yard gains on the sideline or across the middle to Devontae Smith. Um, I think this is a. I think this is an. This could be an outright upset, but I think they certainly cover the eight and a half point spread for sure. So we're on the Eagles. Well, I thought that was super hot take, and then everybody else is like, "Oh no, Eagles too." Maybe we just hang out and talk too much. Uh, that could yeah, be it, so. it, yeah. It also might be the fact that you you guys know my for, for some reason prodigy level picking of the Eagles. <laughs> um. 4.30 window, the game we are very excited to see because it's a matchup with the 80s and 90s. The 49ers going to AT&T Stadium against the Cowboys. Cowboys favored by three. Who you got? I, I'm going to take I'm gonna take the 49ers. Um, I think that they come into here with, with – it's going to be very hard for them to, to have much of a passing game against the Cowboys because I think they're going to be in Jimmy Garoppolo's face all day. That said – um elijah mitchell is at least semi-healthy um the cowboys still can be run on i know people are are excited about them having a, a mediocre defense and then don't get me wrong their defense is good um but it's it's not as good i think as people are saying that it is um i think debo samuel because we were just talking about him having being this x factor for the playoffs i think he is that guy in this game um i think he has a monster uh performance I think that um, uh, on the uh, when the Cowboys have the ball, I think it's going to be a challenge. The, the Niners have have quietly fielded a fairly solid defense this year. Their pass defense hasn't been great, um, but Dak is still worries me. Um, you know, just just a little inconsistent. Um, I think that the 49ers do enough uh, to keep the ball away from from Dallas, um, and I and I think the 49ers win in a very close game. Matt, what are your thoughts? I believe in Dallas. I believe um, this defense is of a different caliber than we've seen in Dallas for quite some time. Um, I think this offense is clicking on a higher level, um, and there's the the run game is back, and that's something that um, I think has been lacking in years past, where you know Zeke has not been uh, quite as dynamic as as we saw early on in his career. I think that's back. I think the um, emergence of tony pollard um i think i think dallas can kind of do to san francisco what san francisco does to other teams uh run the ball down their their throat um get teams to bring their safeties into the box um and there's there's more playmakers on the outside um that uh that can make things happen so um i really like dallas in this game um i like dallas as potentially a, a super bowl team i think this is the best team that they've fielded in quite some time um and you know, with San Francisco, I think San Francisco is great. But uh, if if you take away Debo Samuel, um, I trust that Jimmy Garoppolo um, probably will make a game losing mistake. I think this could be a close game, but I trust Dak more than I trust Jimmy. I trust the Cowboys' defense more than I trust the Niners' defense. Um, I, I have a good feeling about what Dallas can do. I'm with Matt, um, Bill. I mean, you make a compelling case, but. The Jim, Jimmy G is gonna is is responsible for one turnover a game 
and that will that sometimes cripples them, sometimes it doesn't. But I think this is the this is the game where it really does. Um, I just I think if the Cowboys play a B game or even a C game. They win. They just Dak doesn't have to be great. They have so many weapons on the outside. You know, you know, a couple screens here and there, um, a couple you know um, jet sweeps to like a Tony Pollard in motion or CD Lamb. They just have so many options that I think they can overcome the adversity that they're going to face from the 49ers team. I mean, now this is the best team the 49ers have probably played in a month since the Bengals, um, and I think the Cowboys win by at least three. Um, and, and I just, I can, in my head, I just see the pressure that the Cowboys get on Jimmy Garoppolo and I just see him running for his life, um, trying to make plays as pressure's bearing down on him. And we all know that that's when Jimmy G floats balls and that's when those, that's when Trayvon Diggs comes up with his first playoff interception and everyone goes crazy for it. So I just, I feel like this may be close early, but once it gets going, the Cowboys may roll to a victory. Um, so moving on to 815 NBC game, the one I feel like, uh, Bill and Matt, you, you are most interested in, the Steelers going to Arrowhead where they just got clobbered about, what, two weeks ago. Um, Kansas City minus 12.5. Kansas City will put the zombie down, but not before the zombie <laughs> takes a bite out of them, I oh, think. Okay. Uh, I, I think that this game will be closer than advertised i i don't think the steelers are going to win this game um that said they're not going to go down like they went down uh a, a couple weeks ago you know losing by what 26 um and and a thing to keep an eye on tyree kill with this mysterious heel injury eh, that could be a problem um and you know tj watt um, I, I think can can get after um, Mahomes a little bit. I still think Kansas City will be able to move the ball, but if the Steelers can can just kind of muddy up this game um, and and make it ugly, um, maybe it, it's gonna it's gonna be relying on defensive turnovers. Uh, I don't if if this offense cannot keep up, keep up with a with a with a chief, with the Chiefs. Period. They just can't. Um, Najee needs to have the game of his life. All that said, even if all those things break their way, I think this they're still going to lose because because the Chiefs are just a far superior football team uh, talent wise. Um, I think this is a game that could be like a like a twenty two to fourteen kind of deal where you know the, the Steelers defend their pride. Um, and then they, they ultimately take the L, but, but it's not, it's not a bloodbath like, uh, like it was a couple weeks back. So, um, give me the chiefs, but you know, I, I think the Steelers equip themselves to the best of their abilities, I guess I would say in this game. Uh, I'm with you, Bill. I think that they make themselves feel better about the shellacking they took a couple weeks back. The thing that scares me the most, uh, I guess the teams that have recently had success against Kansas City, they have played a mixture of coverages throughout the game at multiple times to try to confuse Patrick Mahomes. Mike Tomlin is a coach known for kind of running his stuff and sticking to that. And if you let Patrick Mahomes, you know, see your defense for three plus quarters, the floodgates are going to break eventually. If the only way the Steelers win, I think if they come, if, if they spend the week 
with a detailed defensive game plan on how they're going to shift and change coverages to try to get Mahomes, they have a chance to cover, not win. I feel like cover. Um, but if Tomlin just goes in there in typical kind of Tomlin fashion and just you know runs his stuff and tries to be better at what they do versus what the Chiefs do, it's going to be 36-3 to like it was last time. So um, it, it's dependent upon how the coverages of Steelers play, I think. But I'm taking Kansas City uh, minus 12.5 too. Before, before I make my pick, I have one question. Okay. I've considered all angles. I've considered pretty much everything. Um, is Clyde Edwards-Alaire expected to play in this game? I this have is no my idea. deciding factor. I don't think he is. Um, I, I don't think so. Last I heard. Let me see. I'm, I'm, I'm Googling it right now. The Google machine. The old Google. Because this is the defining factor. Uh, Reed said, "Day, this is one day ago. The uh, really the only injury is Clyde, and he's making great progress. I think we'll be able to get a little work out of him this week. We'll see how next couple of days go. He's got a great attitude and wants to be in and be out there. So that tells me no. That quote. Hmm. Uh, so so he, yeah. You know, screw it. Fortune favors the bold. <laughs> okay. I'm going around. All right. I'm going around. Well, Matt's talking himself into it." I'm going rogue, and it, it you know the, the the reason I wanted to talk about Edwards Alaire is because um, Daryl Williams has been the far in a way more effective runner. If Clyde Edwards, so the rationale is going to go with is if Clyde Edwards Alaire is going to play, um, I think that actually takes away something from Kansas City's run game, um, which would sort of obviously favor Pittsburgh. But here's here's the logic that I'm going to throw out there. Here's the type of game that I'm envisioning. I see Kansas City abandoning the run too early, despite the fact that they've run the ball very effectively over the last few weeks. Um, I think they're going to try to throw a 21-point touchdown early on. And if Tyreek Hill is hampered and he's not playing as well as as normal, there's going to be frustration that's going to mount with Kansas City. I think that T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith can get pressure on Patrick Mahomes. And the Kansas City offense is going to go from the well-oiled machine that we saw the past couple of weeks, and it's going to digress and devolve into the scramble drill that we saw for probably the first, what, 10 weeks of the season? Mm-hmm. Um, that, if that happens, and I think it will, Pittsburgh will win this football game. Behind Najee Harris, short passing game, whatever, but this is also there there's a, a a Tomlin factor here as well. I've never seen Mike Tomlin get blown out by the same team twice. In fact, I've seen Mike Tomlin get blown out by teams and then turn around during their next matchup and be ready to go and to see his team just emotionally emotionally more fired up than the other one and more prepared to play. Um, I think the Tomlin factor plays into this game, and s- screw it. I'm going Steelers. All right. I think there's like – it's like the storm clouds are off in the distance, you know, when you see a storm starting to come together. And it's like it's almost working in the Steelers' favor. You have the Hill injury. Edwards-Alaire's banged up. 
And then you have Ben who's start, who is like woken up. You have, you know, everyone kind of playing better on the Steelers. It's like, you can see it coming, um, or like the potential of it building. Um, yeah, it could happen. There's a path to it for sure. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but you know, listen, my, my, it's not even a head heart thing. It's just like, let's be bold here. I, is Kansas City probably going to win? Yeah, sure. But this just feels like one of those weird gut calls where you're like, this is a Tomlin game uh, where he comes, kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, shades of shades of the seven and six, or I'm sorry, seven and nine Seattle Seahawks against the highly favored <laughs> yeah. uh, New Orleans Saints, the Beastquake game. The best thing is how I feel like this whole team has changed since Ben finally admitted that this is like his last season. It feels like he's played with a renewed focus. He's let it he's let it loose more than he has earlier in the season. I think there was like some psychological effect, um, you know, provided to that team just when I've been admitting it. I, I feel like everyone's playing more free. I mean, it's house money. They're going to send everything they have because uh, why not at this point? I don't know. I feel like something's changed since Ben admitted that this is his last last season. There's nothing more dangerous than a team that has nothing to lose. Yeah. And they don't. Yeah, they, they, get, know, they know they're supposed to lose. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. And I, and I agree with all those points, but they're still going to lose. <laughs> um, all right. So moving on to the Monday, the first ever Monday night wild card game in NFL history. The Rams host the Cardinals NFC West matchup Rams favored by four. Uh, two teams that I feel like are just like limping right now. Who you got? Well, so I, what I'll say, I am very excited for the 49ers Cowboys. And I'm excited for all the games, but I'm really excited for 49ers Cowboys. Obviously, the, the Steelers, I'm excited for that game. This game, I think, is going to be amazing. Mm. I think this is going to be an awesome football game. I think it's going to be the best game of the week. I think it's going to come down to a last-second field goal, uh, possibly overtime here. I could I could see overtime happening. Um, I think... I think the Rams pull it off. Uh, I anticipate a really good game from Sony Michelle. Um, I think, obviously, you know, Cooper Cup's going to get his, but Stafford may have some ups and downs in this game. Um, but I just, I just get this feeling that that the the Rams are 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 gonna. I get I get the feeling that that you know the Cardinals may come out to a lead. Um, the Rams come back and, and win on a last second field goal. Um, I think whoever comes out of this game um, is is going to end up in the N- NFC Championship game with the Packers. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like both of these teams, um, but I I like the Rams just a hair more. Um, and they did split the uh, the season series uh, each each one taking a game. So Bill on the Rams. Matt, what do you think? Give me the Cardinals here. Um, okay. I think the Rams are frauds. I really do. Um, <laughs> I think they were exposed a little bit by San Francisco last week in some of the ineff- the ineffectiveness um, they have in their run defense. Um, Debo Samuel and Eli Mitchell, you know, really ran all over uh, uh, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, and company. Um, and then I look at James Conner, I look at Chase Edmonds, and, and obviously the, the dual threat that is Kyler Murray. Um, I think this matchup bodes really well for for Arizona. And listen, Matt Stafford needs to prove that Matt Stafford can win a playoff game without throwing a game-breaking pick. 
Um, and I have not seen that from him. He turns the ball over way too much. It's still a problem, even even after leaving Detroit. And I I really don't see um, the Rams winning this football game. So give me Arizona. I feel like the Rams win this one in a blowout. Um, and the there's issues with the stars and scrubs kind of building um, a strategy in terms of building a team. The benefit, the con of that is obviously your stars get hurt. You got scrubs. The pro, the 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 benefit of that is that when you can consolidate the focused energies in a high intensity, high leverage game like this, and all your stars are healthy, that is that can be an overwhelming force. And I think the Rams are going to come out having lost against the 49ers this week, and and I don't think the Cardinals are going to be ready for it. I think Cliff is going to cliff, and there will be a couple three and outs to start this, the the uh, uh, the game for the Cardinals, and the Rams just overwhelm them. And I don't think Stafford has to play a great game. I think Sony Michelle goes for maybe you know 100 plus yards here. Uh, Cooper Cup with you know a touchdown or two on you know some easy on some easy plays uh, that McVay draws up. I, I think this is an overwhelming victory. Um, for the Rams, because I think you're going to get the combined focus of Stafford, OBJ, Cup, Ramsey, Darn, uh, uh, Aaron Donald, um, um, uh, Vaughn Miller, Leonard Floyd. I just think that's too much for the Cardinals in a game that's as high leverage as this. So um, I think the Rams easily cover the four-point spread. I like it. I like it. Um I guess we'll do it. We'll do it again. I don't know. Do we pick Super Bowl teams now or do we wait kind of go week by week? What are, your, what are your thoughts? I say we go week by week. Okay. Okay. That's what we'll do. So we'll wrap it here then. So we talked about coaching carousel. We talked about uh, week 18's wild finish, the Steelers, um, and then the wild card weekend, which is one of the best football weekends, second best football weekend uh, of the year, I would say, outside the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Buckle up. <laughs> Buckle up indeed. Will the zombie get put down? We have no idea. <laughs> um, but always a pleasure. Thank you for listening, guys. I know this was a wild recording. Um, so thanks for hanging in there. All right. Thanks, everybody. All thanks, right. Guys. Peace out, guys. <laughs>